Hey, look, it's another edition of the Basketball Reasons Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Diamond, the Black Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Big Baller Bruce. A lot's been happening in Lakerland since our last episode, although I honestly, I feel like I don't have to say that anymore. Like, LeBron's on the Lakers. Everything that happens is going to be news. He gets a picture taken of him at practice, and it blows Twitter up and blows up Instagram. Uh, but before we even get to what's going on, you know, we got to gotta handle the logistic logistical business of the podcast uh i don't know if i said this on the last the preview of the last episode the intro of the last episode but we got an instagram now go ahead follow us on instagram at basketball reasons pod if you're listening to this and you want to support the pod in another way go ahead shoot that instagram a follow it's a little bare right now but I'll, i'll get i'll get a little more into it i did post that picture of lebron uh, in the Lakers gear because that was dope. Um, and that'll be an easy way for you to drop a comment and leave suggestions, feedback, so on and so forth. Um, please also, if you have the time, if you have the desire, if you have the inclination, go ahead and rate us on iTunes. Uh, five stars, if you will. Or four, if you don't like it. Anything less than that, though, kick rocks. Uh, and on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows. Um, also, I, Charles Diamond... Uh, was recently on the Frozen Envelope podcast, uh, a Nick-centric podcast where I, I used my hip-hop ep- expertise to determine who the the rap game Carmelo Anthony was. Uh, that is, whose rap career closely resembles Carmelo's uh, basketball career. It was real fun. Uh, the Frozen Envelope hosted by Sam Rodriguez, a.k.a. Fro Magnum. Uh, it was good, so go ahead and give that a Google. Go ahead and check that out on SoundCloud. Uh, I think that's the only place it's at right now, but the frozen envelope. But back to business. Um, yeah, man, good stuff happening. LeBron opened a school. I'm not going to talk about that. That's been discussed ad nauseum. The thing that is pissing me off about that, though, is people are like, people are like, oh, he only donated $2 million. And then there's like this, this pushback to that, which is like, Oh, you can only donate two million. Otherwise, it's not a public school. And people are like, "That's a lie." But I'd, dude, I'd, shut up! Everybody, shut up! He donated two million dollars. He helped open a school. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? This is stupid. Why are we doing this? Uh, other than that, Michael Beasley defended Lonzo, which was really dope. Uh, that 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 Michael Beasley interview in Bleacher Report. If you haven't read that, go give that a read because Michael Beasley is one of those guys who gets memeified so often that people forget. Or, or not even forget, they don't even realize like who he is as a human being. And that was just dope to have some insight as, as to who Mike Beasley is. Uh, and he defended Lonzo basically with the line of, of you know, Malcolm Brogdon uh, averaged, you know, like 13 points, seven assists or something. I don't, I don't remember. And, and Lonzo averages 11, seven and seven. And Lonzo's a bust and Brogdon won rookie of the year. It was a real cool little, little defense that Beasley had. Um, and other than that, yeah, the, the schedule came out. Uh, opening the schedule against uh, the Blazers. Um, did I make that up? Yeah, no. Open the schedule against the Blazers, against Portland. The first game on the Wednesday of opening week. I'm a little pissed we're not opening up. Like, like we should be playing on opening day. Like, that's weird. Um, but regardless, the Christmas game is against the Warriors. Although it's in Oakland. I don't really like that. I mean, I get it. It's the Warriors. Man, we're the Lakers. We should be playing at home on Christmas. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to be watching all the games as I usually do when I go home for Christmas. Uh, take a six-pack of Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager. Plop it in the in the living room. Chill out with my dad. Eat some food. Watch some basketball. Fall asleep during the game. Not the Lakers game. Never. Um, or if I'm working, as I have done, uh, what, I guess last Christmas. 
Yeah, last Christmas. Well, I work when I work, I watch the basketball games anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, um, I'm actually gonna do a little now that the schedule came out and it's topical. I'm gonna do a pod episode based on the schedule. I'm gonna go over some, you know, uh, some of the most notable Lakers opening day games. So that should be interesting. Um, but not this podcast. This podcast, um, just because it's the end of free agency. And we had a good big free agent signing. I wanted to go over another sort of big signing in Lakers history. Uh, this is sort of for my younger Laker fans or the people who might not be up on their Laker history. This podcast will be the story of Magic Johnson's 25-year, $25 million contract, which was, of course, the largest contract at the time, signed in 1981. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, go ahead and listen to this here intro and come back after the break. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. On June 25th of 2017, uh, Irvin Magic Johnson was being interviewed by Baxter Holmes. Now, Baxter Holmes was interviewing Magic because the Lakers had just traded point guard D'Angelo Russell, former number two overall pick point guard D'Angelo Russell, as well as center Timofey Mozgov to the Nets for, of course, Brooke Lopez, who is on the Milwaukee Bucks currently and the number 27 overall pick in 2017 draft. And the reason why I bring that up is because Baxter Holmes, you know, was, was asking, you know, what, what the reasoning was for trading D'Angelo, so on and so forth. And, and Magic gave an answer that was sort of geared towards D'Angelo that sort of made headlines uh, because he said, Magic said, that we traded D'Angelo because we needed a leader, someone other, someone other players wanted to play with. Um, but what he also said was that the Lakers were going to be in the market for big name free agents uh, in the in the next uh, off season, and that's something that you know Lakers fans as well as the entire NBA had been on watch for um, for the past four off seasons with the Lakers. Um, and Baxter Holmes inquired, you know, what makes this off season different? And, and Magic said, "Look at my face." I'm quoting here. Do you see that smile? Do you see it? Okay, then. I've always bet on myself, right? I'm fine where we are. I'm happy. We are back. And I I, th- I just think that's amazing because obviously Lakers fans had a lot of faith uh, in Magic. Um, but Magic also had a lot of faith in himself. Uh, just continuing the quote, he said, I wouldn't have made that move if I didn't think I could use that money. Enough said. And granted, the Lakers signed LeBron James this offseason, so Magic's self-confidence and self-assuredness was obviously well-warranted and, and justified um, it, with retrospect. But just I, I just love the supreme self-confidence that he had. Um, but the thing is, it wasn't just Magic who had that confidence in himself. Of course, the late, great Jerry Buss also had that confidence in Magic. Uh, the confidence that he demonstrated when, in 1981, he signed Magic to a 25-year, $25 million contract, starting, of course, after his rookie deal ended in 1984. Uh, just for reference, that contract would have run through 2009. Uh, at the time, it was the richest and longest in sports. I'm pretty sure it's still the longest contract ever signed uh, in sports. Uh, I, I don't think I need to explain that there was no expectation that Magic Johnson was going to play out the entirety of that contract. That's insane. No one plays basketball for 25 years. But I think Jerry Buss knew 
Well, he, he explicitly stated in an interview with the New York Times, he knew that it wasn't just about Magic Johnson, the player. And I'm quoting from, from Dr. Buss here. He may even be my coach one day or general manager, or maybe he'll run the team and I'll just sit back and watch. Magic is a bright kid and I plan to make him my protege, teach him the business aspect of sports. I, I realize this is a very unusual contract because we're talking about a kid whose college class just graduated. But what it comes down to is that Magic is part of the family. And I think that's even more obvious. And Jerry Buss obviously passed that that belief down to to his his daughter Jeannie Buss because Jeannie fired her literal family, her her blood brother, in order to institute Magic as the president of basketball operations. Now, I I just want to just go over for a quick second how incredibly crazy that contract was. Not just the years, not just the dollar amount, but just it, it was so incredibly unheard of that even when Jerry Buss was trying to frame it in an interview. It sounded weird. So he said, I know that $1 million a year for basketball sounds exorbitant, but consider this. 14 years from now, the average secretary, not good ones, mind you, but average ones, will be making $60,000 a year. So Magic Services, as coach or GM, or whichever direction we mutually choose to take, are worth $1 million a year to me. Dr. Jerry Buss, a very intelligent man, very great businessman, had no idea the way the league was going to go. He's sitting here comparing a player's contract in 14. Granted, I know he's making a point. In 14 years, secretaries are going to make blah, blah, blah. So so his services, magic services will be worth whatever for a million. I don't think he, I definitely don't think he knew that in 20 years, players are going to be making $20 million. Like, you know, it's just, it's just interesting that there was no sort of framework at all for how, how incredible this contract was going to look uh, at the end of time. And it, and it was also interesting. It was also a really smart move by Dr. Buss on a couple different fronts, and we're going we're gonna to get further into that in a second. But it, it was also a smart move because uh, Magic, upon meeting Dr. Buss and Jeannie, you know, go, coming to Dr. Buss's house uh, after the draft, actually, he told Jeannie, and this was from Jeff Perlman's book, uh, Showtime, Magic Cream, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s, um, which, if you haven't read, is a great read for any Lakers fan. Uh, Magic told Genie that he planned to play for the Lakers for his rookie contract before finishing his, his career close to home with the Pistons. Now, if you've read the book, you know Genie ran upstairs and told Dr. Buss, and Dr. Buss said, Genie, don't you worry. Once he suits up for the Lakers and, and starts playing here, he's never going to want to leave. Um, but it was very smart of Dr. Buss to sort of hone that in immediately. He locked into Magic Johnson, and that's what Jeannie said, quoting again, I think my dad wanted to lock into a sure thing, and Magic was the sure thing. He knew that Magic was the greatest in what he meant to the franchise and what he meant to the city, and he knew how to value an asset correctly. Um, now, of course, that move was unprecedented and unheard of, but it made a splash, and I think if you're a Lakers fan, you understand that all Jerry Buss was about was was making a splash. He even admitted it uh, when discussing the, the the contract for Magic Johnson. He he said that other sports got a lot of press, or he believed that other sports got a lot of press, mainly because well, one of the reasons was because the players were paid so much money. Obviously, anybody who attracts or, or, or garners a, a huge outlandish salary attracts attention. So I think that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to attract a, a lot of attention with Magic, and paying him that much money at that time uh, with, with that amount of years was a great way to do so. 
Um, that being said, I think at the end of the day, Magic sort of got the, the raw end of the deal. Jerry Buss was no dummy. Like Jerry Buss was a very smart man who made a lot of money off the, off the real estate market in Los Angeles. I think he saw that the, the future of the market in basketball, the, the rates for players were increasing. And to have a player like Magic Johnson who could help lead his team to an NBA championship in his rookie year, I, I think he knew that Magic would, might be worth more than a million dollars over the course of one season. Uh, I, I think you even see that, and you know, three years later, three years after Magic signs that contract, uh, Patrick Ewing uh, signs for you know three million dollars a year, while Magic Johnson is making <laughs> a third of that. Um, and I think the people around Magic didn't necessarily know uh, that being his representation didn't necessarily not that they didn't know where the market was heading, but I think they wanted to take the sure thing rather than uh, rather than leave it up to chance. Um, that, that, that being said, that sort of sells Magic a little short too. Uh, like we just alluded to, Magic had a plan to sort of finish his career in the Midwest after playing for the Lakers, finish his career closer to home. But he won that championship and he decided that he wanted to stay with the Lakers. And he actually brought up uh, the idea to Jerry Buss, you know, saying that he, he'd already made, you know, he was already going to make a load of money once his rookie contract came up. He knew that he was going to make money uh, in his next contract. He said that he'd already sort of gone through a quote-unquote meat market when he was choosing a college to play basketball in, the sort of recruitment cycle, and that he wanted to talk to Jerry Buss about a lifetime contract. Now, Jerry Buss signed up for that immediately. Um, it's it's actually funny. On, on a blog post on uh, the painted area blogspot.com. It even says that Jerry Buss, uh, who actually had predicted the increase in mortgage rates, had bought a $3.5 million mortgage with a, a 20% interest rate, uh, for the, for the tenants of that mortgage that effectively paid magic's contract for 25 years. So he didn't even end up paying out of pocket for that. So when magic Johnson said lifetime contract, Jerry Buss just said, all right, well sign me up immediately. I think one of the main concerns, and this was a concern sort of more from the player's perspective uh, than the, the management perspective, was that uh, how coachable can a guy be when he's got a contract for longer than the rest of his playing career that pays him basically more money than 99.9999% of players has ever, have ever seen in their lifetime? Um, and of course, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, being the wise man that he was, raised concerns, uh, you know, both to Dr. Buss and in the press about whether Magic Johnson would be able to remain coachable uh, with that contract. Uh, and, and you know, given how close Dr. Buss and Magic were, that was absolutely a valid concern. Um, and we look back on that now and laugh because, of course, a few months later. Uh, Magic Johnson is sitting, you know, in, in a in a post game interview in the locker room after a win, ironically, and is just complaining about head coach Paul Westhead and about how you know he he's not having fun playing the game of basketball anymore, and that he needs to be traded and actually requests a trade directly to the press, uh, <laughs> and in a post game interview, which of course leads to Jerry Buss firing Paul Westhead and uh, installing Pat Riley uh, as coach. Uh, quick aside, I think Magic actually gets sort of a raw deal uh, in the telling of this story because Magic obviously got his name just dragged through the mud in the press for being a quote-unquote coach killer. Um, but Jerry Buss was actually pretty pissed off with Westhead 
from opening night. They lost uh, the first game of the season. And, you know, apparently he was grumbling around in the front office asking questions about Westhead's offense to the players, to Jerry West, to to, to general manager Bill Sharman, uh, assistant general manager Bill Sharman, and even to Westhead himself. Um, and so after nine games, apparently, Dr. Buss informed Sharman and West that he was going to fire Westhead already. Um, but Sharman requests that Dr. Buss, quote unquote, give it a week before making it public. Uh, while they, you know, look around for a replacement coach, but uh, that that aforementioned game is sort of where it all blew up. Um, Westhead was playing the guys really slow, sort of taking control of the offense, and he he snapped at Coach Westhead uh, during a timeout late in the game. Uh, and like I said, they won the game, but that's when Magic sort of gave his uh his 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 interview. Um, so just, you know, if you take anything away from this, just take away the fact that, you know, it wasn't all Magic's fault. Well, at least not necessarily. Anyway, the point being that interaction, that firing leads to what might be the greatest press conference in NBA history. Uh, because like I previously said, Sharman and West were, were telling Dr. Buss to hold on on firing Westhead so that they could find a new coach. Uh, but because of the blow up between Magic and, and Westhead, uh, the Lakers were without a head coach, um, and there was a little bit of confusion as to who the coach would be. Uh, Jerry West and Bill Sharman wanted Pat Riley to be the head coach. Now, Pat Riley was Westhead's assistant coach, who two years before had actually never even been a coach in the NBA. And when you think about where Pat Riley is right now, it's pretty incredible, um, the legacy that he's sort of held uh, in the NBA from the Knicks to the Heat, so on and so forth. And, of course, obviously his time with the Lakers. Um, but Jerry Buss was not sure that he wanted Riley to be the head coach. You know, this is his baby right now. He's got his, his $25 million point guard. You know, this is his Showtime team. He didn't want Pat Riley to be in over his head. Uh, in fact, Jerry Buss actually wanted Jerry West to coach the Lakers and sort of wanted Jerry West to coach and say that Riley could be on, stay on the, the staff to be his assistant coach or his co-coach or his associate head coach and that, you know, Jerry West can slowly turn the team over to Pat Riley. I don't know what happened in that meeting where Sharman, West, and Buss were discussing this, but apparently nobody knew what in the world was going on because... Jerry West left the meeting thinking that Riley was going to be coach. Uh, you know, Buss left the meeting thinking that West was going to be coach. Whatever. So the next day, Jerry West goes up to Pat Riley and offers the job to him. And Riley, of course, accepts because two years ago he wasn't a coach. And now he's about to be coach of the Los Angeles Lakers with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, so things were a bit confusing hours later where Jerry Buss gets on the podium at the press conference to announce the new Lakers head coach and basically says that Jerry West is going to be the head coach and Pat Riley is going to be the offensive coordinator, like this is an NFL franchise or something. And the press is confused because they don't know what Dr. Buss is saying. Jerry West is confused because he thought Pat Riley was the coach. And Pat Riley's just sitting there like, hey, man, I thought I was the coach of the team. Um which sort of gets clarified, but also made intensely more awkward when Jerry West, after being announced new head coach of the Lakers, goes up to the podium and then just one-ups Jerry Buss's announcement and says, actually, Pat Riley's the coach, and I, Jerry West, will be working for Pat Riley. Um, and then Jerry Buss, of course, looks around confused because he didn't want Riley to be the coach. 
in the first place. Um, and because of that, Dr. Buss breaks up the press conference and no one actually knows who the head coach is going to be. Now, of course, the head coach actually ends up being Pat Riley. Uh, the Lakers play faster. Magic Johnson's happy. Uh, Riley lets the guys do what they want to do on the court in terms of you know their play style, playing fast. And the Lakers win 17 in the next 20 games. Um, and then, of course, you know they win an NBA championship. Um, but you got to wonder if uh, maybe Magic Johnson was a little bit emboldened uh, to speak out uh, on behalf of you know his with regards to I should say his opinion of Westhead um, by that 25 year 25 million dollar contract. As a quick epilogue to the end of that story, uh, in 1986, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar signed a two year five million dollar deal. Um, to become the second millionaire in NBA history. Uh, the next year, James Worthy signed a $10.9 million contract extension, um, making him the third millionaire basketball player, all three, of course, on the Lakers. Uh, when uh, James Worthy signed his deal, there was very little deferred compensation um, that was in contrast to Magic Johnson's deal, uh, which had a lot of money paid out over the course of you know the 25 years rather than being paid up front. Um, so in reality, Dr. Buss really kind of did get the better of magic there. But hey, all's well that ends well. Since this was such a short pod, we're going to get a countdown in for uh, old time's sake, starting in three, two, one. We just went over probably the most dramatic coaching change uh, of Lakers history. Uh, the only thing I can really compare it to in terms of drama is when Mike D'Antoni got hired at midnight instead of Phil Jackson because Jim Buss was like, nah, get that dude up out of here. Um, but I do recall uh, certain segments of the Lakers fan base last season or, or maybe two seasons ago sort of calling for Luke's head and LeVar calling for Luke's head last season. And this will undoubtedly continue from a national media perspective with LeBron on the team. If the Lakers sort of stumble out of the gate or have any trouble uh, in terms of stacking together wins. But guys, please, Lakers fans, guys and girls, Lakers fans, don't succumb to this nonsense. Be patient. If LeBron can sign a four-year deal, we can endure a couple losses without calling for Luke's head. That is one of the most irritating things on Twitter to see people calling for the head coach's head just because we couldn't beat the Blazers on the second end of a back-to-back in mid-December. All right, everybody calm down. Let Luke do his thing. That's the buzzer. I'm out. This has been the shortest episode of Basketball Reasons, but I figure it'd be okay because I'm hitting you with another pod later on in the week. Um, So until then, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Basketball Reasons Pod. Or holla at your boy on Instagram, Charles Diamond, a.k.a. Or on Twitter so we can get into some of these debates because I'm always down to debate. I majored in philosophy. I love to argue and can't do much else. So holla at me, underscore Charles Diamond. Um, And until then, see y'all next time.